Guys, uh, the Pope just now proclaimed uh, the third Sunday of Ordinary Time, from here on out, every third Sunday of Ordinary Time, to be um, the Word of God Sunday. It's like we have Divine Mercy Sunday. Third Sunday of Ordinary Time is Word of God Sunday. He wants us to focus specifically on the Word of God and bringing it alive within our hearts. And so I couldn't help but think about my first assignment. I've told you all stories of my first assignment. Um, When I was first ordained a priest, I was the pastor of the two African-American parishes in our diocese. And, uh, and that was quite intimidating for me, right? I mean, I had never, you know, ministered to the African-American community, and, and what a beautiful, beautiful experience it was. And, and I'll never forget, they're deeply, deeply rooted in the Scriptures. And uh, I'll never forget, I may have told you the story, if I did, just humor me. Um, I'll never forget talking to my two secretaries. And I asked them, I said, look, I said, how long am I expected to preach? I said, because in the seminary they told me, at eight minutes, guys, you got to land the plane. (laughs) And Christine laughed. They both laughed at me. And Christine looked at me. She said, Father, if you preach for eight minutes, they're going to stone you. (laughs) She said, you just preach so the Holy Spirit tells you to shut up. I'm like, yeah. I was all excited. And so preaching in the African-American community, like they love the Word of God, and, and they get into it. And so as you're preaching as a priest, and the Word of God is hitting their heart, you know it, right? They are hollering it out to you. They're, they're just, you know, I preach, preach, Father. Come on, Father. Tell your story, Father. And dude, it just fires you up, right? And I remember there was this one lady, Pam. She would sit in the back left-hand side of the church. And Pam didn't always holler the amens and the, and the preach. But whenever the Spirit would start moving her, she would just start going, yes, 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 yes. And I knew that if she was getting me some yeses, I'm like, I'm right on, baby. It was awesome. So I never, there was another guy. I'm going to keep talking here. Um, there was another guy I was preaching. I was probably two weeks in. And uh, I'm still getting used to this, right? Because I grew up in, in the, the white church, and we don't talk back, as you know. Y'all barely blink whenever I talk to you. Um, <laughs> So I'm preaching, and I'm still getting used to them responding to me in the homily. And all of a sudden, I said something, and the guy in the front the front pew, he looks at me. His eyes got real big, and he went, hello, hello, Jesus. And I was like, hello. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, keep preaching. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what that means, right? The more they would talk, the more you're supposed to preach. They love the Word of God. It was incredible. You know, I remember my first Bible. Um, it's actually this one, right? This was my confirmation Bible. The first time I ever had my own Bible, right? And I remember, I, I, I just thought it was beautiful, the leather, the gold leaf edges, right? And I remember I would hold it. Just, it just felt cool, right? I would hold it. I would smell it. I don't know if you're weird like me, but I love to smell books. Um, I would smell it. I wouldn't lick it. Um, <laughs> but I would mark in it, right? I started marking in it. Like when God spoke to me. Because if we believe that the Word of God is active and alive and it's truly the Lord speaking to us, He's going to talk to you. You know, people tell me all the time, Father, I don't hear God speaking to me. Am I, and I'm not praying right. My first question is not a sarcastic question. It's simple. Are you reading the Bible? Because this is the ordinary way that God is going to speak to us. It's His Word. And He's going to reveal things to us in His Word. So if you're looking for a way for God to talk to you, you don't have to sit in a certain position, and you don't have to meditate and hum and all these things. It's just read the Word. So as I was preparing for this homily, um, 
I was drawn to Psalm 27, which was the responsorial psalm that was sung. And when I opened up my Bible, um, you can see up here at the top it says, Holy Thursday, 2005. And then there's a little arrow that points to a highlight. And I started remembering what happened then. In 2005, on Holy Thursday, I had just been accepted to the seminary, right? I was still working, um, but I'd just been accepted. So this is my last Holy Thursday as a normal lay person. And this is what God spoke to me on Holy Thursday in 2005. Of you my heart speaks, you my glance seeks, your presence, O Lord, I seek. And so I was just remembering in the chapel, preparing for this homily, that burning desire in my heart as a young man wanting to follow God's will for my life and taking that scary step to see and discern as God calling me to be a priest. And, and this was what my heart wanted. I just wanted to seek God. I just wanted to be in His presence. Holy Thursday, 2005. It reminded me of another time. Whenever I was at the Grand Canyon, I think I might have told y'all some of this story before. But I remember being at the Grand Canyon, um, and <clears throat> I was looking for it this morning. And sure enough, it was right here, and I wrote in it, Grand Canyon, June 11th, 2004. I was at the Grand Canyon uh, in 2004, and you know I was in this little area where you weren't supposed to go. But I went there anyway, like they had the blockades and you weren't supposed to do it. I was like, I'm just going to cross that fence and I'm just going to go out there because that's where I wanted to be. I just felt God calling me out there even though I was breaking the law. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so I remember sitting down on the edge of that canyon, beholding God's beauty, the magnificence of the Grand Canyon, breathtaking. If you've ever seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It's just magnificent. And I set my Bible down right in front of me. And the wind started blowing, and my pages started flipping all over the place, and they just kept going, and I was just praising God in the middle of the canyon, and all of a sudden, it stopped flipping. And it landed right here on Psalm 8, and I felt the Lord say to me, look down and read. And so I read, and the first thing my eyes fell upon was verse 5. What is man that you should keep him in mind? Mortal man that you should care for him. You have made him little less than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. And in that moment, guys, my heart was filled with great humility. Standing before the Grand Canyon in all of its glory, the Lord is telling me, what, is, what am I, Lord, that you would keep me in mind? I'm just a mere man, but yet you've made us little less than the angels and you've crowned me with glory and honor as your son, as your daughter. I'm crowned with glory and honor and there's the Father is saying, I'm beholding you because I love you, because I created you and you're more magnificent than the Grand Canyon. And I was just moved to tears standing before a God who was beholding me as I was beholding His beauty all around me. It was an incredible, incredible experience. And later on, as I, I was reflecting um, <clears throat> the next day, next week, whatever it was, I remember, what was I thinking? At the height of this moment of consolation, I was dating a girl at the time. Her name was Kelly. And uh, I remember thinking, I never once said, Lord, I wish Kelly was right here experiencing this with me. 
I never said that. My thought was, I want to celebrate Mass right here. This was before seminary. I want to celebrate Mass right here. And so God's Word continued speaking in my heart. Like, this was my desire. This was the deepest desire of my heart was to celebrate the Mass right there. And so that's how God's Word has been speaking to me as I prepared for this homily because it was Psalm 27. And so as I look at Psalm 27, um, again, God spoke to me in a new way in verse 4. This was for me today. One thing I ask of the Lord, and this I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord and contemplate His temple. I love that. That I may behold the beauty of the Lord. Right in front of the Grand Canyon, I'm beholding the beauty of the Lord, right? And then as, I, as I read this, I started thinking, behold, behold stood out to me. And so I was like, well, there was another time where, where beholding took place, and that was in the book of Genesis. You all know the story well, right? At creation of Adam and Eve. Adam is, you know, created by God, and he's given all this dominion over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and all these things. He names all the animals, and, and Adam is perfect. He's immaculate. But yet there was something inside of Adam's masculine heart that was not satisfied. And so God caused the great sleep to go upon Adam, right? And we know the story. He pulls the rib out of Adam and he forms out of the rib the woman. And I love this moment because Adam, for the first time, comes out of this deep sleep. And this is what the scriptures say, Genesis chapter 3. This is Adam speaking. He looks at Eve for the very first time, seeing someone in his own image. And he says, this one at last is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. Couldn't you do it a little better than that? <laughs> no. He said, this one at last is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. This one shall be called, whoa, man. God. Proud of man. She was taken. Adam's heart was captivated. Adam was beholding the beauty of woman. Adam realized in that moment, this is what his masculine heart was created for, was to behold the beauty of the woman. And he was completely satisfied by beholding her, not grasping at her beauty, but simply beholding her. She's the apex of all creation. Women, did you know that? God created everything. Everything. But you, women, are the apex of his creation. Perfect. And Adam sees it for the first time. And he realizes that he was created to behold the woman. And so I began thinking of this, right? And I began thinking and talking to the Lord in my holy hour. I was like, but Lord, this has got distorted in our masculine hearts in our day and age, right? We have this plague in our world, our country, this terrible thing that we call pornography. Why do I say this? Because I believe that pornography twists up inside of the masculine heart and the feminine heart this natural, God-given desire to behold. It just stops short. Right? Man was created to behold her. And woman was created to be beheld. You were. Think about it, girls. Whenever you were a little bitty, 
How many times did you dress up all in your little Cinderella outfit and you went and tried dancing in front of your dad, trying to captivate your dad's heart? That's what little girls do, right? They want to capture the masculine heart, and the first heart they want to capture is dad. And so they begin dancing, and guess what, men? Young men, realize this, because you're going to be dads one day. Dad, if you don't put your iPad down and stop looking at your iPhone and get out from behind your computer and allow your fatherly heart to be captivated by your little girl dancing in front of you, she's going to search for another guy one day to captivate his heart. And you might not like the way he looks at her. Because the woman is meant to be beheld. Not grasped, not used. But beheld in dignity and respect from the masculine heart. That's the way God made us. Plain and simple. And so I began thinking of this. And so I began praying. I was like, Lord, purge this out of our, of our society Do something, move in a powerful way that stirs men's hearts up to get rid of the pornography. If you got to get a dumb phone, guys, get a dumb phone. Whatever you got to do to protect the beauty of the woman, guys, brothers, sons, do it. Begging you as your spiritual father, do what you have to do as men to behold and respect the dignity of every woman that we meet. We're never going to be satisfied. We never will, men with pornography and with grasping at a woman, we're never going to be satisfied. It will always leave us empty. I promise you. I promise. Our masculine hearts aren't meant for it, and her feminine heart isn't meant to be grasped at either. And so this is the great call that we have, and this is where God brought me in my prayer, was to pray that this great plague would be eradicated out of our society one day. Because it's killing us. And so I began praying with the psalm a little bit more, Psalm 27. And it doesn't stop right there. It says, I may gaze, I may behold the beauty of the Lord. And it says, and contemplate His temple. I like that. The temple of God is the body of Jesus. That's what the scriptures tell us. Jesus said in John's gospel, destroy this temple and I'm going to rebuild it in three days. And John says he was talking about the temple of his body. You see, the body of Jesus is his temple. It's the dwelling place of God. And so I began to think, I was like, ah, we're made to contemplate the body of Jesus. That's why in the Mass, I'll hold up the Eucharist, and I'll say, behold, behold the Lamb of God. Right? Only in beholding him, his body, are we ever going to be happy, guys. That's it. Right? It's whenever we're sitting in front of Jesus, in front of the Holy Eucharist, and maybe we stop in there for five minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes, an hour, whatever it might be. And I remember sitting this morning in the chapel, and the Lord convicted my heart. This is the heart and the desire of every man and woman to contemplate the body of Jesus. And so I just put my scriptures down, and I beheld him. I looked upon him in the Holy Eucharist. No words could be spoken. You sit in front of the Grand Canyon, you can't say anything. You're just, wow. You see a beautiful sunrise, a beautiful sunset. It's incredible, right? We're made for this beholding. Look at social media has tapped into it all over the place, right? How many times do we behold ourselves in social media? 
Behold me eating at Chick-fil-A. Behold me eating my sandwich. Behold me. Look at me, right? Behold me. We do that in the gym, too. Some of those pictures are really funny. I'm sorry if I offend somebody, but it's just weird. People beholding themselves being beheld in the mirror, taking pictures of themselves. We're going to behold my biceps. They're big. Like, that's so weird. Like, why are you... But it, spe- it speaks of something innate within the human heart is that we want to be beheld and we want other people to behold us. <laughs> I apologize. But this is, <laughs> this is what we're created for, right? It is. So I've, I've got a challenge for us. If the Word of God is active and alive and it's truly the Word of God and it has the power to transform our hearts and our hearts will be restless until they rest in the Lord, as St. Augustine says, um, I have something for you, a challenge. If you've ever been at the point where you're like, I'm just not fulfilled, I'm seeking, I want to know God's will for my life, but even more than I want to know His will, I want to act on His Word. You see, James says that if all I do is read the Word and I don't act on His Word, dead Word. Seeds falls on dead soil. Got to act on it. So tonight, here's a challenge. I want you to act on God's Word. Tomorrow morning, do this for one week and see what happens. We can endure anything for one week, right? See what happens. If you really are ready to have an encounter with the Lord in the Word of God, I want you to do this every single morning. Wake up. Make your bed. Mama said so. Make your bed. And then take your Scriptures And I want you to open up to Psalm number 1. Get your cup of coffee and read Psalm number 1. And as a word stands out to you, just like I just explained it to you, behold, stood out to me. Underline it. Get your pencil, get your pen, underline it. Finish the scriptures, put it on your bed. And then tomorrow night when you come home, take the scriptures off your bed, Read Psalm number one again and see how God revealed throughout the day what his spoken word to you was. Tuesday morning, do the same thing. Wake up, fix your bed, read Psalm number two, underline what God speaks to you, come home and do the same thing. Read it again. Wednesday, Psalm three. You get it. You're smart. You're in college. Um, You see what I'm saying? Do that every day. So you go Psalm one through Psalm seven till next Sunday. And see how God speaks to you. I promise you he's going to speak a word. And then you think about that word throughout the day. And then see at the end of the day how did God fulfill that. It's really, really cool. Right? It's a way to live an active relationship with a living God. Right? It's not a dead word. It's active. It's alive. Transforms our hearts. Able to discern the thoughts and reflections of the mind. And so this week, I encourage you to do that. challenge you to do that. And to pray for that great gift of the Word of God, lighten our hearts on fire so that we can begin to be active witnesses of His Word. Amen? Oh, wait, one other thing. Whenever you, sorry, scrolls are bad. Whenever you finish reading the Scriptures, kiss them. Just give a little kiss. Don't lick it. Don't do anything weird. Just a little kiss, all right? Why? Well, you don't kiss your biology book. You don't like it that much. You don't kiss your iPad. That's weird. But it's the Word of God. Notice that that's what Father Patrick and I do every, every day for Mass. Before we read the sacred scriptures, I mean at the end of reading the sacred scriptures, we kiss it. It's a sign of affection, a sign of reverence. Do that also. You'll begin finding yourself, your heart, inflamed with God's love for His Word. Amen?